0: All right, Man, how are you guys doing this morning? Good. good, good. good to see you guys. Thank you for being here this morning It's a little little chilly, wasn't it? okay, maybe not. I was a little chilly when I went out to feed our horse and um so she's uh, she she's already like in the last two days got a lot of hair, so anyways, I mean she wasn't bald but um <laughs> but she she put on a lot of hair this last week. So uh, anyways, my name is Darren Gleghorn, I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church, and if I've never met you, uh, I look forward to meeting you soon, and we just, we appreciate you coming this morning, amen? amen. So um, I'm, I'm going to get into uh, some, some stuff today, hopefully that, um, hopefully that we can leave out of here encouraged, empowered, and equipped to, to do what God has called you to do. It's not about just coming here and volunteering or, or being a part of the staff or anything like that. It's about who you are. You are a Christian. If you consider yourself a Christian or if you don't, God wants to do things in your life today to change that so that when you leave here, it's not just us doing church here, but it's you taking church out into the world and changing lives with who God has called you to be. Amen? So that's, that's what So um, that's what I hope happens today. Amen, so if you have your Bible, uh, would you go to Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six, and uh, if you don't have a Bible that's okay you can uh, you can find an app on your phone to follow along, or if you don't want to do that, we're going to put the scriptures up on the screen for you and uh, but that's no excuse for you not bringing your Bible to church because we put it up on the screen. Amen all right, so bring your Bible to church when you come, but uh, we'll help you out any way we can so in Matthew chapter six. Jesus is teaching a very popular, uh, what has become popular to us as a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. You ever heard that? The Sermon on the Mount is is one of the biggest recorded um, sermons that Jesus preached. He he preached three chapters worth, which, you know, generally I preach about five chapters worth when I get up here, (laughs) learning how to cut back. But uh, and be to the point. But the uh, fact of the matter is, is Jesus is ministering here. This is the, the 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 recorded one of the recorded sermons that he preached, and and I believe that when he's um, preaching this, I always thought this was one of Jesus' first sermons. Uh, I thought it was his first. I thought that you know he went into the ministry and this was one of the first ones because of its placement in the uh, in the uh, Gospel of Matthew. Uh, it's pretty close to the front. So I always thought this was his first message. But what I found out in study is that he had already been preaching for several months, maybe almost a year whenever this uh, sermon was recorded. And so um, so when he's talking about these things in the Sermon on the Mount, he hits on everything. He hits from uh, murder, <laughs> um, marriage. I mean, he hits on so many different subjects in this one uh, sermon and, uh, but right smack in the middle of his sermon, he teaches or he begins to speak on prayer and how we should, uh, pray, how, what the kind of a, uh, a, a diagram, so to speak, of how we should pray. And, and so I'm, I'm not talking about prayer today, but this is an example of, of what God, uh, wants to do in our prayer life. Because so many times prayer is expectation, asking God what you need or asking God, talking to God and finding out that place uh, that we need him to intervene in our life, right? And and so is that just me or y'all following? Um, So when he teaches these things, he's teaching out of what he's seeing in his culture and how to make uh, the people who follow after him More effective in their lives all the way around, especially in their prayers. So, right here in the big fat middle of his sermon, he starts talking about prayer. And specifically, what we've taken is this prayer that Jesus talks about. We tend to take that as, or we call it the Lord's Prayer. Now, whether you've been in church all your life or whether you haven't, maybe you've never, maybe this is your first time to ever come to church, you've probably heard the Lord's Prayer. You've heard somebody say, I remember when I was in, I think it was in fifth grade elementary school, we started the morning out with my, with our homeroom teacher. She started the morning out for us with the Pledge of Allegiance and the Lord's Prayer. Neither one are popular today in the school system. And so uh, this is what is known as the Lord's Prayer. So here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, <clears throat> from the New King James Version, it says... In this manner, this is Jesus talking, it's written in red. He says, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And, uh, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever." Amen. When Jesus teaches this, when, when he says this, as what we know as the Lord's Prayer, when he says this and speaks this out, he started off with, in this manner. He didn't say, this is what you pray. He said, this, in this manner, which becomes a diagram at that point of how we are to pray how we are to pray. It's not what we pray, but how we pray. It's the who is in our prayers and the where. It's the who and the where. And and so I want to get into this, this where because Jesus identifies the where in two places in this prayer. He says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he finishes out the prayer, ends with recognizing God's kingdom again. And he says, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. It is the where, the kingdom is the where. The kingdom is what we've got to understand. Everything, what Jesus is saying here, everything that we do and everything that we are in following him and learning how to pray flows from the kingdom. Our prayer flows from the kingdom. There is a kingdom involved in what we do and everything that we do as Christians, as believers, as born-again people, as the saved comes out of the kingdom Everything comes out of the kingdom. So let's put it into action. I'm pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your glory and your honor to be with us, to show up in, in presence. God, we worship you. We worship you, that your kingdom is here. Your kingdom is now. As we gather together as believers, you are here in this midst, and you're here in the midst of who we are in this church on this Sunday morning. And I thank you, God, that today, whatever we do, whatever we hear, those things that we process in this brain you have given us and this body you have given us flows from the kingdom. Your kingdom presence is here, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I um, I personally have been in ministry for almost 30 years. Next next year, uh, February of 22, will be personally uh, 30 years in ministry. I gave my life to, to God in 92, and um, I got saved when I was a little kid, but I'd walked away from the things of God. I'd walked away from the church. I got tired of seeing what was going on in the church and, and uh, identifying everybody who didn't do what I wanted them to do as hypocrites. You ever been there? I have. So I, I've been in, in ministry or um, been born again and in ministry for about 30 years. Uh, one, when I got born again, um, truly gave my life to God in 92, I felt the call of God on my life to, to become a minister. And so I connected with a friend of mine who was a former PRCA bull rider and turned minister. He wasn't very successful at the bull riding, so, I mean, what do you do? You go preach, you know? And and so I connected with him, and um, he and I used to go out and do ministry. We would we would go to rodeos and bull ridings, mainly, mainly bull ridings, and... We would go behind the chutes and minister to the guys. We would pray for them as before they got on, the bull, on their bulls. If they got hurt, we were there to pray with them. And a lot of times when the rodeo or the bull riding would end, we would go into the grandstands and gather some of these, peop- these guys up and people up to have a little Bible study. You know. And so that's kind of the way I learned to do ministry. I was just helping that guy do what he did. And, um, but I had felt the call of God on my life. And so began to pursue that. And and whenever I met Lynette and we got married, we moved to Texas and was a part of a team roping ministry there. Big difference. I mean, Jesus is still Jesus, whether you're team roping or whether you're riding bulls. But these guys team roping didn't face the danger. These guys, I mean, bull riders will pray. I mean, they will, before they get, they will pray. Team ropers, I I don't I don't know I don't I never I never saw them pray <laughs> for protection. Anyways, they prayed for a good loop, I guess. But uh, but anyways, so so we would minister to these guys behind the shoots. Okay, and, and Lynette and I got married, moved to Texas, became part of that ministry. But when we came up here to start this church in May of 2000, um, we we knew no one. There was no one that we knew in this part of the, the country. We'd never spent much time. Lynette had lived here at one time, before, long before we got married, graduated high school from this area. But other than that, we really didn't know anyone. And here we are with this cowboy church. So what did we do? But we did what I knew to do, and that's go find a bull riding, <laughs> go find a rodeo. We, we had church on Tuesday nights only at that time to, you know, to allow us to go minister on the weekends, but also those people who were rodeoing did that on the weekend, and they couldn't come to church on Sunday morning uh, the way that they wanted to, so we took church to them, and so we began to do that, do what we knew uh, to, to connect with people in this area, and then people started coming to church, Now, while we were doing the bull riding, when when I'd go behind the chutes and minister to guys or pray with guys, there were, most of them wanted to pray. Most of them wanted to connect, but there were a few that really did not show much interest. As a matter of fact, when I talked to them, they say, not interested. You know, do you you need help? Do you need, um, you know, what do you need that I can pray for? Well, I'll pray on my own and I'm really not interested. And so there's, there's one guy in particular that goes through my mind, and I'm not going to say his name or anything because um, he may be watching. I mean, he's a perfectly good man, but he was not interested in the things of God that I had. He would say hi and then go somewhere else. Um, so, uh, you know, other than, other than him knowing what I do and who I am, he wasn't interested in, in the church thing. One Tuesday night, when we were ministering over at the, the indoor arena we used to be at, one Tuesday night, this gentleman shows up with his family that night. And, you know, at the end of service, I said, you know, if you, you know, need any prayer or anything like that, please come and find me. I mean, we'll be right up here on the front and come and find me. Well, when, when we ended the, the church time that night, him and his family, he had a wife and two little boys Came to the front and kind of cornered me up a little bit. And Dad, the guy who's not interested, began to weep, tears running down his face. His wife began to to weep. And he told he he said, "I need some prayer." And I said, "What what's going on, man?" He said, "My little boy, his three year old boy that he's holding in his arms." He said, "Today we went to the doctor." And the doctor diagnosed him with congestive heart failure and he's not going to live to be five years old. He had a hole in his heart that they, that they could not repair. And they said, um, you know, he's, he's going to die soon and I don't want my son to die. I said, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So we gathered up and we began to pray over him, pray over the little boy. And dad is sitting there or standing there weeping because he has not been interested, but this is the only way besides the doctor that he knows how to connect to get some comfort for what news had been told to him and his wife that very afternoon. So I prayed and and really, guys, I, I never felt anything. Other than my prayer, I didn't feel this huge revelation come over me. I didn't feel this huge dump of anointing on him. I I, I didn't feel anything. Dad, he didn't fall down under the weight of the Holy Spirit. He didn't speak in tongues. He didn't. There was no. I mean, just it was just prayer. Put my hands on him and pray. But the one thing that I prayed, what God gave me in that moment was from Psalm 51. Now, Psalm 51 is a psalm of repentance. It's when David, um, King David really screwed up with Bathsheba, got her pregnant, all that kind of stuff, killed her husband, all this. Psalm 51 is not a happy psalm (laughs) other than a psalm of repentance. But there's one verse in Psalm 51 where he says, where King David is praying to God and he said, um... Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And when you look up that word clean, it, it one of the definitions of that word is new. So when I was praying for this little boy, I said, this is all I know is that David said, Cle- create in me, O oh God, a new heart. So God give him a new heart. And we ended our prayer. And we went on about our evening, but the, the man told me, he says, we've got to take him back in the morning and they're going to run some tests and they're going to tell us what we need to do to give this boy the best quality of life while he's here. They're going to, they're going to rerun some tests and all that kind of stuff. So I said, well, if anything changes, if, if anything changes, because I didn't feel nothing, I didn't feel a change happen. I said if any if there's any change let us know just let us know the news of what is going down The next day afternoon this man called and he says I have a miracle to share with you He says when the doctors run all the tests on him running back through they did chest x-rays and all that kind of stuff he said the doctor looks and says I don't know what happened because this is yesterday's x-ray and this is today's x-ray. I don't know what happened, but he has a brand new heart. And a little boy that should not have lived, according to the doctors, past five years old, this last year graduated from high school. And as, as distraught as they were on Tuesday night... They were equally as ecstatic on Wednesday morning because God had done what we asked him to do. I, didn't, I did not pray the Lord's Prayer for that little boy. But what I prayed is in the manner, in the manner of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How how do we know if it's God's will or not? We know it's God's will when it's his word. And we prayed Psalm 51 over this little boy and his word, his signs and wonders do not come by themselves, but they follow after the word. And so that was what happened uh, when I prayed because I prayed your kingdom come in that moment. And it resulted in... What Jesus said at the end of this prayer is that for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. The kingdom, the power, and the glory did not come from me and Lynette praying for this person. It came from the kingdom of God. And we pulled it into that place. And God did what we call a creative miracle. He created in that little boy a brand new heart. Something that the doctors couldn't get to. Something that the doctors gave no hope for. The kingdom of God gave life too. And so he says it's the kingdom, the power, and the glory. The word kingdom there means royal dominion and authority. There was a royal dominion and authority over a hole in the heart. Over heart damage. There was kingdom authority. He says yours is the kingdom and the power. The word power means explosive ability. God exploded into that that boy's chest. Are you with me? God exploded his ability into that boy's chest. It wasn't anything that we did. It was just us being a conduit of the kingdom. And... He said, the kingdom, the power, and the glory. The word glory there, um, you know, I could give you a definition, but I love what the Message Bible says for that word glory. Um, The the Message Bible says, a blaze in beauty. Let me tell you something. God's miracles, God's kingdom, God's heaven is a blaze in beauty. He gives beauty for ashes, you know to say that um, to, to say that the that little boy is beautiful he 's beautiful because he 's in the midst of god 's glory, and the beautiful thing in god 's glory was a brand new heart, so thinking about this this prayer, thinking about what jesus is saying about prayer of of who and where it comes from um, the thing about it is, is that if the, the Lord's prayer is said by so many believers, just that, just that quote itself. But when we pray, Jesus is asking us to go to another level, a kingdom level. And if we don't have an understanding of the kingdom, the Lord's prayer just becomes a, a saying. It becomes cliche. It becomes a bunch of words that carry no power. Just when we speak the Lord's Prayer. If, if we don't grasp a hold of the understanding that it is the kingdom of God, not the prayer that works, it's the kingdom of God in the prayer. Um, you know, how many times do people quote this and it does not change their current reality? I mean, if, if, if that's the only thing, if that's the only prayer you know, then then say it, I guess. But don't let it become cliche. Let it have some power. And the freedom of knowing what Jesus was saying here, the freedom of the outline, the freedom of the manner, the freedom of, uh, of, of what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, say the Lord's Prayer over and over. He's saying, take these principles of the kingdom which is now, and begin to expound on that in your current reality. Let your current reality be soaked into the kingdom of heaven instead of just being a bunch of words. Instead of just being a quote out of the Bible. The thing that I I see a lot of times with believers who just quote the Lord's Prayer and think they're doing okay is that, you know, what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, he says, when you pray, this is before he says, the, you know, speaks the, the manner of the prayer. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. <laughs> the very thing that the, 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 the Jesus says so many times we do. And he says, don't, it's, it's not about repeating it over and over. It's about getting to the heart of the matter. It's about getting to the, the, the kingdom of what the Lord's prayer is saying. I love what the message um, translation says in Matthew 6, 7. And, and it says this, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. How true is that? Okay. And, and, and I think about what Jesus is doing here when he's preaching this sermon and having everything to do with, with what's right, what's wrong, and then he's right in the big fat middle of things. He throws in this prayer, and then he goes on and talks about other stuff. But what that tells me is him putting that in there, him putting that in there about the kingdom is, is that he wants us to be focused on the kingdom understanding the kingdom, diving in and trying to find that understanding of the kingdom of where we're at, not just pray the Lord's prayer over like it's written, but to bring him in to your big fat middle. Because this kingdom that Jesus preached is the kingdom or is the key to knowing the father and what the Father's about. Matthew 4.17 is really the first message that Jesus ever preached. Matthew 4.17 says this, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is trusting that we know that the kingdom of heaven is at hand whenever we pray. Because because the the, the kingdom of heaven being at hand means... The word at hand means to draw near or to be reachable. And so Jesus preached his kingdom. And it's the key to knowing the Father and making him known in this earth. When you bring the kingdom into your life through your prayers or bring him into the world through your prayer... Under You understand that that is the key to knowing the Father and making him known in this earth. I mean, that doctor over that little boy, the next day says, I don't know what happened. But he's well. I don't know what happened. If I understand the kingdom, I know what happened. I know what happened. The kingdom, I I was able to reach into that kingdom and pull into this time, into our current reality, was able to pull heaven into that place. See when 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 heaven when 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 heaven sent that little boy into his mama, he didn't send a hole in his heart kit. Heaven didn't send that. Heaven don't have holes in the heart. He sent everything perfect into that. It was, you know, it was this world. It was the enemy that brought about the sickness in that little boy. And so that little boy in that sickness needed to be pulled. Heaven needed to be pulled into his life. The kingdom needed to be pulled into his life because when we understand the kingdom and understand that's the key of the Father and knowing him and making him known in this world, it is the release of heaven into this earth. Kingdom is the principle. Kingdom is the measure. Kingdom is as... Josh Schmidt said, the standard. The standard. It's the standard of a Christian's life on this planet. This, if you're a Christian, this is your life, guys. It's, it's not about praying the prayer of salvation and uh, I'm good until I get to heaven. No, it's about praying and receiving Jesus. And in receiving Jesus, it's about bringing heaven into here. You become a conduit of heaven. You don't. You don't just become a, a, a person waiting to get to heaven to experience what heaven has to offer. Have Jesus. Jesus is saying that if you understand kingdom, you can bring heaven into now. I, <clears throat> over the years of ministry and and things. I mean, we've seen we've seen. Uh, uh, signs and wonders. We've seen miracles happen. I mean, that was a a miracle that that evening for God to do that for that little boy. is a miracle. It was a miracle to stand right up here and put my thumbs on a on a eye of a girl, even with the tremor. I mean, she's I was like poking at her eye, <clears throat> but I still put my hands on her as a conduit of heaven into her life, and God healed her eyes. It was a miracle, and so in that the miracles that I've seen are few and far between. I know that more is happening in our country at this point, but I've always wondered why do miracles happen around the world? Why do they happen in third world countries? Why? you know, uh, one minister that I like to follow, his ministry has over 300 recorded raisings from the dead. But most of them are in another country. In another place around the world, so I was wondering why is that? And this is what I got: is that is that a lot of those places are, you know, around the world, third world countries are ruled by uh, dictators. They're ruled by um, strong religious systems. They're they're ruled by monarchies, which you know a lot of times i think the you know monarchies are malarkey there is nothing i hate worse than the uh, united states press talking about the royals over there not the kansas city royals but the 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 monarchy malarkey that we got out of 250 years ago I don't care what queen is doing. I don't care what prince is doing. You know, it, it, hey, we broke free from that. Why do I care? And, and so I, I have a little bone to pick with that. I, you know, you may, you may not see it that way, but I, uh, you know, good morning America or something, come on and say, we're going to the royal palace in England. I'm like, who cares? We beat the snot out of them suckers and made, us leave it, made them leave us alone. So why am I going back over there to my TV camera? Anyways, I've gotten way off topic. <laughs> but I've wondered why we don't hear of, of miracles so much here. And this is, this is where I think that we kind of can miss the boat in America, is in sign, Miracle Signs and Wonders, is because we don't understand kingdom. Because we're a democracy separated from kingdom. We're supposed to be a democracy. You want me to start on that? I don't know. <laughs> But I, I, I think people, I think the church is beginning to start to grasp a hold of that we are living in a kingdom. Even though we may be under this government, we are ultimately under the government, a government of God where Jesus is king. And that's our life. We've got to learn how to operate in a kingdom with kingdom principles. and And so, you know... We can see that because Jesus' first message was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus also continually taught, when you read the Bible and read the red letters, is that Jesus continually taught and pointed to kingdom. Most every one of his parables starts out as the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure plant, uh, buried in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like uh, the, the merchant who goes and buys. He, he, he says all he saying. he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and that's him trying to say, look, if you want to understand this parable, you've got to begin to understand kingdom. Because that's the way God works. He's, he's not here to, to um, you know, um, r- control us. He's not here to control us. He's not here to uh, try to usurp authority over us and make us do what he wants to do. He just says, hey, I'm king, and you're, you're seated with me in heavenly places is what Ephesians says. So we're together in this deal. And, and I'm not trying to rule over you, but you've got to understand when you pull, when you, when you figure out that you're living in the kingdom of heaven, then you can pull heaven into your now. You can grasp a hold of it. The kingdom of heaven is like, he continually says that, continually reassuring that the kingdom is in the middle of everything that we are, in the middle of everything that we do. The kingdom is in us. The kingdom is at hand. or heaven is at hand, kingdom of heaven. And so um, Jesus is wanting us to learn about the kingdom because he knows that if we know, begin to understand kingdom things, it is the way for releasing heaven into this earth and getting God's fingerprints on what we are seeing. He wants nothing more than to get, his, get God's fingerprints up on what's going on in our lives. <clears throat> so I want to switch gears just a little bit, keeping these same things in mind. But maybe you're asking the question, I mean, I asked the question quite a bit or I see this. At one time, I, I was seeing that Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven and he talks about the kingdom of God. Have you ever read that in the Gospels, sprinkled throughout the Gospels? It's the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. What's the difference? Well, I was looking and studying on some of this stuff. You know, some theologians say that there is no difference at all. It's just the, the mood or the, the way that the writers write in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and, and so the kingdom of heaven is the same thing as the kingdom of God. But when you look at the, um, uh, the book of Matthew... I believe that Matthew shows the difference in the two. So some theologians say that they're one and the same. Some theologians say that they're different. I'm not a theologian, but I think they're different. And, and you know, when you begin to look at these phrases, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus speaks. Okay, there's, there's 31 times that the kingdom of heaven is used in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew is the only place that says the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is the one that vocalizes that. Out of 31 times in the book of Matthew, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven 29 times. And the other two times are from his disciples or somebody saying, hey, you said the kingdom of heaven. So really Jesus said 31 times. But he says the kingdom of God five times in Matthew. Now, Mark, Luke, and John all use the kingdom of God the phrase, the kingdom of God, about almost 70 times. But Jesus identified a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And as I begin to look into these things, the, the definition behind the kingdom of God is God's way of doing things. The kingdom of God is God's way of doing things. It's his nature and his character that is being talked about. Uh, if you come to my house... It's the kingdom of Gleghorn. And the way of the house is her way. M- make no mistake, I can say it's my way, but really she told me it's the highway if no, she didn't say <clears throat> But the kingdom of God is basically God's way of doing things. But the kingdom of heaven is the pathway or the means of getting God's character into the earth. It's the pathway. Siri just tried to talk to me. (laughs) Must have said something pretty good. Even Siri is going to get saved the kingdom of heaven is the pathway or the means of getting God's character and nature into the earth. So one can argue um, these two points, but it, but it all comes from the same source. The same source heads up the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And that source is kingdom. It's kingdom. Whether it's God's way of doing things or whether it's the pathway of getting his things into the earth, it's all about kingdom. When you go home today, you're just going to hear this word kingdom over and over in your life. And if you do, God's wanting you to dive in to see what his kingdom holds, because he wants to use you to get heaven into the earth, instead of waiting on us to get to heaven. Because it's all about the kingdom. Jesus spoke in Matthew 6 on focused prayer. And that prayer is kingdom focused. It's the beginning and it's the end of that prayer that he talks about kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because heaven responds to kingdom in you heaven always responds to kingdom in you. So when Jesus preached, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he is saying the kingdom of heaven on the inside of you is drawn near, so near, that you can reach it and grasp it. It's it's right here. So many times Christianity puts this gap between heaven and we I mean between earth and heaven and it's like it's such a huge gap it, we we pray sometimes god you know if if you're not busy sir could you please get something down here on this earth can you please do this for me on this earth and we think that there's a huge gap but ephesians says that we are seated with him in heavenly places there is no gap because when Jesus saying kingdom of heaven is at hand, that means as far as your hand will stretch out, heaven is right there to pull in. It's just beyond this veil of what we would say is reality. Beyond the, beyond the veil of time. Beyond the veil of uh, this earth. The, 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 the crap of this earth. It's just beyond that. And he says "A hand, we can reach up and pull out of eternity. We can pull out of heaven. We can take away time. What What would take time to do, we can pull it out and bring it into our presence to not only help us, but to help those people who are around us to bring heaven into this place. He says that the, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. The kingdom of heaven is within reach. This come to me, this, this message came to me, um, or I started thinking about it whenever Pastor Lynette was preaching the last time she just a few weeks ago. And she talked about Elijah sending out his servant to, to, to look for rain. Rain was coming Elijah had said, but this guy was running back and forth, going and looking out over the sea. Going, uh, I don't see no clouds. I don't see no rain. Where's rain coming from? He did that seven times. His seventh time out there, he comes back and tells Elijah, "I have seen the I have seen the cloud of rain that is the size of a man's hand." And I started thinking about it, how did he measure that as the sign, you, you know, the, the size of a man's hand. He's like, okay, there's this cloud. How do I tell Elijah um, how big this cloud is that's building? So he puts his hand up and he goes, ah, it's about that big. <laughs> it's the, the, the miracle, the, the, um, the restoration of a land that's in famine, the revival of life on the planet where Elijah was begin to happen because it was the size of a man's hand. Let me tell you that whatever you're going through or whatever you pray for someone, that when you reach your hand out, there is a cloud the size of a man's hand. It's just right there beyond our, 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 uh, the reality. It's right there. And we can bring that into revival in our life, into this earth. And, and that same evening, that Tuesday evening that we were praying for that little boy, we were reaching into the kingdom of heaven to create a path for heaven to come into earth. It was not God's will for that little boy to die. It was not God's will for him to live his life in sickness, trying just to find the best quality of life that he could find. It did not, heaven did not happen to him until we were able to reach and pull heaven into his life. I believe that when we put our hands on that boy, the kingdom of heaven flowed into him. It was so cool. Uh, A few years ago, um, I was diagnosed with this um, issue that's going on in my body. I was diagnosed in 2016. Well, in 2017, um, Lynette and I went to California, out to Redding, California, to, to Bethel Church because they have, a, they have a thing called healing rooms out there. And so we went out there to the healing rooms, and I'll, I'll make this really quick. Um, we went out there to the healing rooms, and um, Saturday afternoon is the, or Saturday morning is the healing room. So we made an appointment, went to the healing rooms, and when we finally got to the place where they came, uh, three people come and got me to pray for me for healing. And these three young people, bless their heart, I, I love them. They said, well, what's wrong? And I said, this is what I've been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And um, I, I don't, I know God wants to heal me. And one of the young men, this young man, he's probably 19, 18 or 19. He looks at me and says, what's that? okay, this, I said, see this, <laughs> that's the effects. And, and so they began to pray for me and it was great. It, it, I mean, they, they reached into heaven and, and said, you know, heal this man, you know, and they, they prayed for me for a good 30 minutes, you know, rubbed the hair off the top of my head, pushing me back and forth, <laughs> praying. And I, and I love that. And and I left out of that room that day, you know, just disappointed because there wasn't really something huge that happened. And that's my humanity. I left out of there. I was a little disappointed and everything. I thought, well, we're going back to church tomorrow, going back to Bethel Church tomorrow for the service. Maybe God will do something between now and then because I was still having the tremors and and the things going on in my body. So we go into the bookstore, and we're buying a bunch of stuff, hoping that we were not overweight in our bag's coming back. But we we bought a bunch of stuff, and, and when we went to the counter and stood there at the counter waiting on the guy to, to ring up our bill, there was another guy standing on the other side of the counter that was right beside me. And he's talking to the cashier guy. And, and he's talking, and the cashier guy is looking at me like, get him out of here. Because this guy's just yakking him. Yak, 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 yak. And then I feel the head turn. And he said, God's got a word for you. I'm like okay, I mean, I just got prayed for in the healing rooms, a little disappointed, but standing here, checking out some books and some Bibles and stuff. And he says, come, come with me. We paid for everything. We went out in the hallway and he said, he said, I want to pray for you. I said, all right, pray. So he began to pray for me. And as he's praying for me in the hallway, he goes, God, I am going to reach into heaven and pull this man a new brain. He said, put this new brain in him. Give him a new brain stem and a new brain. These people didn't know that Parkinson's was a brain problem, but this man knew that. And he reached into heaven and gave me a new brain. I got a brand new brain, whether you guys see any effect of it or not. (laughs) And my wife is very thankful that I have a new brain. But I received that. I received a new brain because he knew how to reach into heaven and bring that into me. And when you guys begin to see the effects of what's going on in my body begin to leave, it's because my new brain has taken over. It's because I got a brand new brain. And so I'm thankful for that man. I'm thankful that God did have something for me there. It may not took place in the healing rooms so much as it took place to a random person who saw me and said, I've got a word for you. God is talking to me. The kingdom of heaven is a hand. See, we, we live, we live. If you're a Christian, if you consider yourself a person who is a Christ follower, if you consider that, you live continually in a realm of an open heaven. Heaven's not closed off to you. You are a conduit of heaven. You are a person who lives in the kingdom and under the authority of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And heaven is open to you. That's why it's so important for you to understand that church doesn't just happen here. You are the church and you happen wherever you go. Because you live in a kingdom of open heaven and you have the ability to bring heaven into this earth. Amen? Amen. You have access to all that heaven has. Heaven doesn't have cancer. Heaven doesn't have Parkinson's. Heaven doesn't have congestive heart failure. Heaven doesn't even have, if you live the rest of your life perfectly in health, heaven still has, uh, heaven does not have debt. Man, everything that this earth could try to offer you, heaven is better. Amen. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So here's, here's what I want you to do today. Right where you're sitting, would you just reach your hand out as far as you can go? Try not to hit the person in the back of the head that's in front of you unless they need it. But when you stretch your hand out, every one of you, when you stretch your hand out, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And all you've got to do is say, God, I'm a king. I'm a part of your royalty. And being a part of your royalty, I can bring heaven into my current reality. That's how powerful this reach is. That's how powerful that God has put heaven right there kingdom of heaven is at hand it's not about us having to create heaven in a moment but it's just about being a conduit of letting his kingdom come and you just grab whatever it is and you bring it into now for yourself for somebody else that's what living in the kingdom is all about the kingdom of heaven is at hand amen amen reach out again grab what's there grab what's there and bring it back in you have just made yourself a conduit of the kingdom of heaven amen Amen. you received that this morning let me pray for you heavenly father in Jesus name I thank you so much for your kingdom I thank you God that we are people of your kingdom I thank you God that you are good and you're glorious and you're worthy to be praised I thank you father that in our lives, every one of us see that your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. God, we receive that in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for all that are here under the sound of my voice that have, may not have ever entered into a relationship with you, that Jesus Christ, I want to I declare Jesus Christ came to this earth 2,000 years ago, died on a cross, to give us access to the kingdom of God and to be able to bring heaven into this earth. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, here's what I want to tell you. It doesn't just come through a prayer of salvation. It doesn't just, salvation doesn't just come through walking an aisle or raising a hand. What's how salvation comes is, and being a follower of Christ is, is saying yes to Jesus because he said that to every one of his disciples. He said, would you come and follow me? And if you've never followed him, right now, Jesus is locking eyes with you. And he is saying, would you come and follow me? And all you got to do is say yes. That's all you got to do. Get up and start following him. You, uh, you, You may not understand what you're doing. But when you follow him, you will begin to understand what he's doing. And when we see what he's doing, we are doing that with him because he is the king. Jesus is king. And he's given you his kingdom to reach into. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for those people that are saying yes. And I thank you, God, for what you're doing and bringing restoration in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.